welcome, as always, to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who doesn't know anything about anime, Malcolm McLeod. And joining us once again, time number four, uh, is Logan Middleton. Oh, has it been that many already? I'm good at counting, or at least up to the small numbers. <laughs> well, call me when it's number five. Well, okay. <laughs> that was that was what a way to start this podcast. Oh, what an so energy! What a great way to start! What an energy! The energy is so um, palpable. It's yeah. And, and I, I, mean, we... I get, I get it. I get why everyone's feeling morose or not morose, morose. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm going to say this for where we start. Um, I did not like this show. I thought this what? show rivals what? slime as being one of the worst things uh, we've watched for this. Show. Malcolm, I want to call you mean names now because I really enjoyed this and oh. the internet really enjoyed this. Yeah, the internet's um, wrong on this one. Uh, Malcolm, gonna, what is gonna, going I'm on? I'm going to fight Twitter. I, I feel this is almost performative. Um, anyways, no, what we were no, talking about it. is... Uh, uh, what we're talking about is Star Wars Visions. It's uh, nine brand new um, shorts. They all dropped at once on uh, Disney+. Plus. They're from seven different animation studios, nine shorts, seven different studios working on them. And yeah, that's because if you didn't realize this, anime is all the rage these days. So, of course, you know, Star Wars and anime, they go together like peanut butter and jelly, at least because, you know, George Lucas is, of course, you know, a total, total weeb, the... Uh, Japanese influence on Star Wars is is obviously pretty huge. Even though some people on the internet were saying we should keep uh we should keep this foreign stuff or whatever away from Star Wars, and it's like eh, you don't really yeah. understand Star Wars, do you? Well, everyone just thinks it's like sci-fi westerns. They're like he loved the movies of John Wayne, and it's like um not kind of, but not it's, really. It's, it's John Wayne just as much as it's Kurosawa. If not, it's more Kurosawa. Like you know, you know what John Wayne liked Japanese films. John Wayne liked Kurosawa because he remade yeah. one. It's like if anything, Star Wars is like like the Hidden Fortress. Like that is like the most influential thing to George Lucas was was those Kurosawa films, like Hidden Fortress. So this is like. This to me seems like such a logical step to go. If you're going to do anything with Star Wars right now, yeah, do an anime. Why not? Like, so yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about how this got made. So the seeds of Vision they first came around as early as 2015, which surprised me. So this is when the Force Awakens got released, and basically some executives, um, yeah, they kind of they knew they wanted to do Star Wars anime, but they didn't quite know how to get there. And then around 2020, they started to have like real conversations with studios. And, um, you know, there were also, like, conversations of, you know, uh, how much freedom do we have? Will these fit within the existing canon or not? Um, obviously, we, we covered Star Wars uh, Clone Wars a, a while back with you, Logan, and that yeah. tried to fit within existing canon until they decided it wasn't. It, it still does fit in, though, so I don't know why they... It, it does, it does but you know what I mean. It, they, they slap the dirty legends uh, tag onto that. Um, Much to my chagrin. Yes. What does that um, mean, dirty legends? Uh, what did you just dirt, say? Um, the legends tag basically means it's canon if you want it to be until we contradict it. Um, so it's kind of like low key non canon or whatever. Oh, a, okay. Title that Disney slapped on all the like expanded universe stuff after they bought Lucasfilm so that they wouldn't have to adhere. To what their creators have done. And they can, they were, you know, they have a 
free reign to do whatever they wanted, basically. They they could basically mine material and rip it off as shamelessly as as they wanted, and if it contradicted the material they were ripping off, they could just label that as canon. Or legends, I mean, not canon. Uh, they could label it as, as a legend. So this was the legend of uh, Kyle Cartan. Now we're going to tell the true story of him. Um, it was just a way to, you know, be like, hey, the stuff we own now, this is the real shit. Uh, which obviously, uh, you know, there's many people in the fandom who uh, are not the biggest fans of that choice, uh, suffice to say. But all good. So, yeah. They, they partnered with Cubic Pictures, which was a production company that specializes in bridging anime projects between Japan and the U.S. to find the anime studios in Japan for the project to kind of sort their pitches and develop their final ideas into, into finished projects. And yeah, uh, there's seven studios. I'm going to talk about the studios, not all at once, because that would make me just go blind. Uh, we'll talk about them as we go with the shorts. So um, yeah, let's let's talk about the first one, The Duel. Uh black and white so this one is very clearly uh riffing on one one particular kurosawa movie uh seven samurai which i love and this is like not even like the first time star wars has riffed on the plot of seven samurai uh there was a clone wars episode or like the clone wars one that had seven a seven samurai plot and then there was a lot of shows have an episode sort of similar to this like obviously yeah this is very like seven samurai I'm going to say this is probably my favorite episode, like just like stylistically and like the content. Uh, so I so when I when I said earlier that I thought this rivals slime, it's because, in my opinion, things go right into the gutter. <laughs> like it just like they just like it's like a slide. But instead of going into water, you go into shit. Uh, <laughs> this, one, this one might be my favorite as well, actually. Um, it's I, this is not, I do like some of the other uh, episodes after this, but uh, I just felt this one had a very simple premise. It's like your, let's say, quotations hero, because I guess he's not really a hero. His name is Ronan. He's sort of your, your Clint Eastwood man with no name, and he walks into a town, and he gets kind of engulfed in a problem that he doesn't necessarily want to be a part of, but, you know, he's there. He might as well do something. Yeah, and also, for one thing, this thing is in black and white, although there's color when it comes to any of the lasers or, or lights, basically, and, of course, the lightsaber stuff. Yeah. So that definitely lends it uh, a really cool visual palette. Um, one of my, my first note was uh, when I noticed that it was 3D anime, I wrote 3D anime boo. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, thankfully, after you know getting used to it within two seconds, the animation is actually very good. I'll say that. Yeah, no, I, I, stylistically, I think this one was actually my favorite yeah and it's got a neat twist but uh, first i just want to briefly talk about the animation studio that did this one this was done by a studio called kamikaze duga um they had done work on jojo's bizarre adventure and uh, some of the openings to jojo's bizarre adventure so no that kind of yeah the uh the first season in particular they worked on the and they also did um netflix's sound and fury i haven't watched that but that shows up on their credits list yeah, I know, um, that's very cool. Yeah. So that's that's the production studio. Uh I really like the R2 with the bamboo hat. That was cute. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> nice touch. A good detail. I like again because these these are non-canon, but they're very much like riffing on existing characters sometimes. We we definitely see a bunch of bounty hunters who look familiar to me and Logan at least. <laughs> like Samurai Bosk. Yeah, I loved that. That was great. So anyways, like the, the kind of premise, but 
uh, beyond just riffing on Seven Samurai is that, of course, there's some uh, there's some bandits that are asking for taxes. Uh, again, very, very Seven Samurai. And they have uh, a Sith with them who is, um, I believe, like an African-American woman, too. Or at least it's hard to tell with black and white, but that uh, appears to be what her character looks like. She's got an awesome lightsaber. I mean, that's the fun thing about these, be- these being quote-unquote non-canon, because this just lets them uh, roll with the lightsaber uh, designs for sure. Because it's like, as I just wrote, umbrella lightsaber. (laughs) (laughs) Umbrella lightsaber. (laughs) Comes out like an umbrella, and then she spins it around, and it's got all the different blades. I was like, holy! Because you know, jumping into this, like, this is my introduction to the series, and all of a sudden, there's this crazy lightsaber, and I was like, oh my goodness! Like, here we go. This is something new. Do you want to buy it, Logan? Do you want to buy the lights, the bit, the uh, umbrella lightsaber? Uh, so anyways, there's a big scuffle. There's a lot of fun. Of course, the, the, the action is really cool. But the the highlight, and I think this is the highlight for you, is the the twist with the Ronin. So of course, you know we're we're you know the, this Ronin. He has an R two unit. We of course think he he's going to be our Luke Skywalker. And when he goes up against uh, another Sith Lord, you expect him to you know his lightsaber to be green or blue. And uh, guess what? It wasn't. Yeah, it's red. It's red. And here's my notes, because this just tells you how slow uh, my brain is. The Jedi having a red lightsaber sure was a twist. Next note. <laughs> In fact, he's not a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he might be a Sith. <laughs> but I love that. So that instantly makes him a, a really cool character. Because, you know, I mean, like, I suppose we've had, you know, Sith on Sith fights before, but in this, especially since this is the first short, you expect it to be, you know, okay, they're doing Seven Samurai, Jedi versus Sith. And uh, they instantly, uh, our favorite phrase with Star Wars, subvert your expectations. Another interesting thing about Ronin, our, our, our lead character in this, is he's, uh, in the English dub, he's voiced by Brian T., known for such classic roles as uh, the Drift King in Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, and Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows, so... I'm breaking out the big guns here. Uh, any word on who who voices our uh, other Sith Lord? I believe uh, it's Lucy Liu. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah it's Lucy, according to IMDb, it's yeah, it's Brian T and Lucy Liu are the the voices. Lucy Liu, of, yeah, and then uh, the kid is voiced by someone named uh, Jaden Waldman, who is the voice of T Zero B One in T Zero B One. The short. Oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah, or a Toby, but like, we can get into that. Well, we'll, we'll get to Toby. We'll get to Toby. Uh, Toby is the name of my cat. If you didn't know that, I don't know if I've mentioned Toby on this podcast before, but now I have again. Um, yeah, so they have their duel, and I like the way the duel ends because um, he basically puts one of his. So um, he kind of hides in a waterfall, and uh, he hides his saber in the statue of uh, of this like ancient statue inside the waterfall and he turns the lightsaber on. So it looks like he's there. So when the, uh, when the opposing Sith tries to enter, you know, she, she steals herself. She sees the red glow of the lightsaber. Uh, but yeah, it was a trick. She, uh, she was looking at a statue and he cuts her down. So, you know, really well, well really well choreographed fight. Uh, the animation is stunning. And also, uh, this is the the first of these shorts to get um, spinoff material because there is a book coming out called Star Wars Clonin' Ronin, a Visions novel. 
Wow, no, what a, what an unnecessarily cool. stupid title. But uh... <laughs> Star Wars colon Roland, which is fine. And then there's another colon a Visions novel. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. That's uh, funny. But I mean, I get it. They they've got to really promote this show. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but I'm just like, wow, that's like really like yeah, corporate. Like that's like that's the one thing I'm gonna say about mo- like some of these shorts where I'm just like, oh, it feels very like corporate got involved in certain points because like I wanted stuff to like this episode or this the first episode which I think again is yeah my favorite I have like two that I really enjoyed um and this is one of them uh it was subversive like that twist where it's like oh he's you know he's got a red lightsaber like that stuff I was like oh I like that that's what I wanted to see and and we'll talk more uh, as this episode goes along but I felt like this like you just didn't get that like at least in like an anthology show i expect episodes like i I don't know maybe it's i've you know i watched too much twilight zone or whatever but i'm always or black mirror where i'm always like expecting some sort of twist like you know like it's a short they you know sometimes it's like you know is this a morality play is this like a comedy like is this a horror story like and i felt like a lot of sameness but this wasn't that like because like just from like the animation style, like you're like, oh, they like they just went for it. And I appreciated that. And I appreciate sort of like the scratchy animation that this had. Like it did feel like, oh, we found this in like a warehouse in like, you know, when it was made in like 1962 or whatever. And we're just showing it now and updating it now. That's very, that's that, that's a great point. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, any more final thoughts on this one before we move on to, to episode two? Ronan, he's no chump. You see how many kyber crystals he has just tucked away in his <laughs> jacket there? Holy. Kyber crystals, that's a word we're going to hear a lot. That's, yeah. <laughs> kyber crystals. Oh, man, I didn't oh, even know what lightsabers were. That's that's something we can we can talk about, a recurring. It's not even a theme, just an item. Uh, anyways... Yeah. Uh, Tatooine Rhapsody. I know I'm more positive about the series than Malcolm, uh, but I will say uh, this was my most disappointing and least favorite of the shorts. My first note on it was just punk rock Star Wars. Ugh. This it's this like, one pissed me off. I was like, I don't know, like I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of fun. Like I like this idea of a band and like in the Star Wars universe and like as you just said, like punk rock Star Wars, but like not like like 80s punk rock obviously we're talking about pop punk yeah the premise of this uh this episode really felt like uh imagine if uh your third favorite you know pop punk band like imagine if simple plan had the audacity to be like here's i'm gonna sing my song and you're gonna say that i'm the greatest band in the world and you're gonna like you'll listen to it like my so-called life and you'll be like that's it like that was the song uh like the song at the end of this is so bad like it's just like so cringe it's cringe it's it's cringe like this is a cringe song so here here's what happened and i'll tell you how to enjoy it um the reason is because the english dub to this episode is garbage um and the the thing is most of the time and you know we've dealt with we've dealt with shows that feature music obviously something like carol and tuesday uh which has that was really great good... that was great and then you compare it to this and you're like you're like hey i want to i'm just saying like you're like i was just like the build-up to like them saving their life was a song that 
felt like it was written by like a ninth grader. Like that's so like it, what it was. So Malcolm, it's not that it wasn't written by a ninth grader. It's because of how they chose to adapt the Japanese. Um, most of the time, Listen, there, there's three ways you can go about um, music. If you're doing like an actual like song song uh, in a Japanese anime, there's three ways you go about it. It's like when we watch the openings to shows, uh, what's most of the time you just hear the original Japanese and you see the lyrics and it's fine. You know what I mean? And Ma- Malcolm, of course, if you notice um, when you're watching the openings to a lot of these animes, the lyrics don't make sense because they're just a literal translation. That's, of course, something that's perfectly fine if you're just hearing it in Japanese, you're hearing the music, and you're probably not even going to read the lyrics. Uh, It's not good if you're actually going to straight up dub that. And that's the massive mistake. Uh, It's just incompetency on um, Disney's... I I don't want to be mean to the translator, but on their part, because they they didn't choose to adapt the song for English. I watched this, this episode... After watching it, because I was heavily disappointed with the song, I, I write in my notes that it's garbage and I hate it. I immediately switched to Japanese after the episode ended to watch the song again. And it was it was yeah, it was much better. The lyrics are what they are. But that's I'm, I'm not going to. Well, I, th- I think the thing is, is that like you d- like you don't have to do this like straightforward, in my opinion, like translation song like i think the the mistake here was that they should have aimed for like all right we need to do like a decent song that's like in english and instead what they did was took this really lazy route and i felt like i was just like oh this is sort of uh, in my mind a like you know just the laziest way for like for a franchise as big as star wars and for like you know, especially if you're on Disney Plus and they're investing, you know, hundreds of millions into the, you know, this franchise, if not billions, you're kind of going like, hire a fucking band, like go and like get like, like I just said, like Simple Plan or get like Blink-182 or get like some one of these bands to come in, like write an original song and then put it in there instead. And like the fact that they didn't do it and they did like the laziest version of it for me i was just like man what a wasted opportunity and it just felt like so hokey like i was just like this isn't enjoyable like i just was like this is it and like that also because this song is like the big climax and like you know you have um who is it what's his name um jay yeah, so Jay is like the lead, uh, is the lead singer. You know, the fact that it's like, you know, Jay is trying to impress and like, I don't know, even this thing of like, they're on like the platform, they're like playing the song. And then afterwards, he's like going to Jab, uh, was it Jab of the Hut and being like, you're going to be my first sponsor? I was like, what the hell is this? Like a sponsor? Like, what are we talking about? Like, this is not how any of this works. And so, and I, I felt like it was just a missed opportunity. Like, I felt like, this could have just been like, again, something like, I don't know. I wanted something, if you're going to just like this, I, I just wanted something a little more, or a little different. Maybe you go like take some influence from like Almost Famous or something like that. And instead, it was just like, I don't know. It just kind of felt like really plain. Jay yeah. uh, asking Jabba to be his first sponsor is a very good parallel to how uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who won't stop who voices Jay, how Joseph Gordon-Levitt won't stop asking me to join a hitrecord.com. <laughs> it's not going to do it. Yeah, so it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Jay, and then uh, Geezer, uh, kind of the slime creature, is Bobby Moynihan. 
of Saturday no, Night Live fame. Bobby Moynihan, this is his second role, because he was also, I believe... Oh, wait, no, that wasn't Bobby Moynihan. That was Joe Sands, who is um, probably uh, canceled at this point. Um, he was he was the first person who um, Mando captures in uh, Mandalorian. Sorry, I got Moynihan confused with um, Sands, because they're, they're just the same person, yeah. They were both on SNL. They served the fat guy role. But yeah, Bobby weird. Moynihan just loves weed. Um, yeah, that was nice. Uh, I also really did like the animation style. Like, I would have loved if this animation style were in like some something else. Uh, I was, I liked yeah, it personally. I'll, yeah, I'll give it that. I'll give it those two things. One, first of all, yeah, they the fact they didn't recast Boba Fett for this, and they actually went with uh, you know the original actor. I give a big thumbs up. And then, yeah, I also enjoyed the animation. So it did kind of remind me of Carolyn Tuesday a little bit. Like there was definitely like, I like, that's the thing I was like, okay, I like this animation style. And again, I like the like opening and like them at like that, like club where there's no one there and, you know, they're doing their song, but they're getting interrupted. And like, you know, Jay's having like this freak out because it's like, you know, we can't, all of our gigs are being interrupted by like you know bounty hunters and Boba Fett and all that. Like there's like that stuff was interesting. It was just like the the latter half of this episode was just like what? Like I was just so like not into it. I was just like this couldn't have gone in a worse direction in my mind. I, I think it was a it was a fun concept, but it, it didn't stick the landing. Yeah, it, it's a misfire, unfortunately. Uh, I'm down for that animation studio to return, though, if there's a season two of this, um, which uh, we'll we'll get into some of the cliffhangers that some of these episodes go on. This one does not have a cliffhanger, though. I don't need to see these characters ever again. Uh, well, you better hope not, because they say they publicly declare that, like, they you know, you play one concert, right? And then you're the most famous band in the galaxy. That's that's the logic of this. Next episode, The Twins. Um, so this was animated by Studio Trigger. Um, Malcolm, we watched the movie Promare uh, a little while back. Did were, And Trigger did that one. Were you, uh, were you familiar with this animation style? Did your memory get jogged? Yeah, this was... I'm going to say this. The one thing is I definitely noticed that like while watching it, I was like, oh, this looks very familiar. And then I looked it up before the recording of the podcast. And I realized, oh, they are the ones who animated Promare, a movie in which I felt like I was losing my mind watching and talking about it. <laughs> we, we did. Um, that's, a, that's a fun movie. Um, but it's also like has 90 minutes to be fun. Uh, this has 15. The, tw- the Twins was one I was really hyped for. Um, I think it's pretty good, in my opinion. I think I give it like a B. Uh, but as someone who is a fan of Studio Trigger's productions, uh, I guess, like we said about uh, the Bo- Bohemian Ra- Tatooine Rhapsody one, uh, I wanted more. Uh, but there are some really great animation flourishes. Uh, There's def- definitely some stuff reminiscent of Trigger, but but I've seen Trigger go full Trigger. So, anyways, let- let's talk about the plot before I just say the word Trigger five thousand times. Yeah, it looks like someone's hashtag triggered. <laughs> no worries, man. So it's called the twins. So of course it's about two twins. Uh, twins are also who Luke and Leia were. So this is kind of um riffing on that concept but a different twist these were two twins engineered by the sith to kind of rule the empire in this universe uh we've got we've got not one but two star destroyers uh which tells you that this means business yeah, um, with a big in the middle 
Yeah, they were created with the power of the dark side, and one twin is evil, but one is breaking good. <laughs> That's what I wrote. Yeah. Breaking, breaking good, not breaking bad. Uh, Kare yeah. is breaking good. The evil twin is um, her name is On. She's voiced by Allison Brie, and then oh, uh, okay, and then Car is voiced by Neil Patrick Harris. I recognized those voices right away. I was like, okay, like there's definitely some voices in this show where I was like, yeah, all right, I get, I know who you, Jack, who this you were, is. You were saying to me, Jack, that you didn't recognize any of the big voices. I didn't really, man. I think, well, Allison Brie, I didn't even recognize her even because I just didn't look these up. No, I think she just is like a good anime voice actress. Um, she she plays one of the lead roles in a film we're definitely going to cover soon enough called Weathering with You. And obviously okay. she's been on BoJack Horseman. I think Allison Brie is a good actress. She also has, I don't think her voice is super distinctive, especially in the mold of anime. I think her voice naturally works with anime. Yeah, yeah I can she, see that. She's a very talented voice actress. She's She's got a good, solid, you know, if Allison Brie wasn't, big uh tv and movie star she she would probably be be doing well with funimation she'd be part of the funimation gang what happens here is the twins have a kyber crystal there's that word again kyber crystal there's that there's that mcguffin again most important thing in the universe the kyber crystal um yeah and they're gonna use it to do a weapon that will make a thing happen but uh, Neil Patrick Harris says, oh, no, I don't think uh, we should do that because it's going to make you die, Allison Bree. He steals it away. And uh, he's, he's going to leave with it and, and do good. Um, this is exactly how it's written in the script, by the way. Um, now, there's a moment she catches up with him. He's in the hangar bay after he's stolen the kyber crystal. And I made a note about this because it really made me cringe. She says... Where do you think you're going with that, Neil Patrick Harris? Which he responds. He actually does say this. He says, to a galaxy far, far away. And then he takes off his helmet and he winks at the camera. And then Kathleen Kennedy walks out and it goes, dinna, dinna, dinna. Thank you for enjoying Star Wars Visions. We'd like to take a moment to talk to you about synergy. <laughs> <laughs> I, felt, I felt that. I was like, in that moment, I was like, of course. <laughs> She doesn't get the love that Kevin Feige gets, rightfully so. Um, so she really got to show it. She's got to show her face. She's like, "I'm the one. I'm responsible for all of this." Uh, I showed up in 1992. <laughs> You're welcome. This, this well, you know what it is is that like this. I really like the animation style of this one. And like, there's a couple of things. First of all, it's clear that they're like in space and they're fighting. They don't have like helmets or anything. So I have to assume they can breathe in space at this point. These twins are like above, uh, like, it, like you know, that saying it's like uh, in space, no one can hear you scream. Um, uh, in this case, uh, yes, you can. And also, we can, you can breathe. Like, he literally can, he, he surfs his X Wing. Uh, back to uh, in, into the fight, and we won't be jumping ahead in there. But, yeah. so, but so, also, um, like this, this, this like uh, episode, kind of like for whatever reason, I finally clued into the fact that like no matter where you are in the galaxy, like if you have like an RD like robot, they all have the same language. They're like beep, 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 boop, boop, or whatever. Like I can't do a good impression, and like everyone's always just like. That's a great idea, but then they'll like explain it. Like I just like like this idea that like they're saying like 
you know, we have, you know, we have to go, uh, we have to go to the restaurant uh, to stop the villain. And then, you know, the response is, yes, let's go to the restaurant and stop the villain. But because there's that one character that's like doing all the beeps and boops, um, you know, you end up like just having that be repeated. And I'm just going like, huh, I don't know. It was that it felt like why. So I guess in this world, you have to understand and like know the language of uh, beeps and boops. Malcolm, of all the things in Star Wars, the one I accept the most is the beeps and boops. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not throw, throwing too much shade on this. I'm just saying that I just realized now when I was watching these episodes, I was like, oh, so you you have to be bilingual because you got to know those beeps and boops. It's in every Star Wars property. It's just a thing. What I do like is that this, uh, the name of this R two unit. It's not R two. It's R duo. Because duo yeah. means two. Get it? I, I kept trying to be like, "What does he say? Our our duo?" And I was like, "That's that. No, that's too on the nose." And then I was uh, like, it's, no, it, no, it's absolutely <laughs> saying that our duo it's totally on the you know like yeah. This, what what you thought Star Wars Visions was above being right on the nose because oh. you're sadly mistaken. You're poorly mistaken. So I I do know I criticized uh, previously. Boy Bebop for having Spike uh, be able to breathe in space briefly or whatever. Um, I'm more forgiving of this because this is a studio trigger animation and studio trigger uh, their animations are crazy and that's how I want trigger productions to be and I wanted this to actually be even crazier. Although um, I've noticed people on Twitter who are not familiar with triggers productions say this was like in terms of just like what happens in it the craziest one where I'm like no you have not seen uh, Gurren Lagan where a mech the size of an entire universe fights another universe mech and uh, using the power of friendship, it becomes bigger and bigger and uh, a lot of shit happens. Gurren Lagan is amazing, folks. I haven't seen that, so this was definitely pretty crazy. Yeah, I've, I've, and I think even Promare, Promare's pretty, pretty, Promare escalates a lot, right? Right, Malcolm? Yeah, it's all, it all escalation. Like and it, it, this this was a little more coherent than Promare. Like at least you had like you had you can say that in later things where it's like was it coherent? But no, I'm joking. It, these all were all coherent. They were just like a lot of these you could see the ending coming within like two minutes of watching. I was like, oh, this is what the, what's going to happen. I, I guessed like most of the endings, uh, unfortunately. So, anyways, here's what happens um, with this battle. So she gets the vision where tells her the kyber crystal will make her uh but she says i don't give a shit and then she becomes mega machamp uh she grows she gets four extra four extra arms uh each with their own lightsaber so what i wrote there was iron spidey lightsabers she looks like mega machamp is not a real pokemon but if mega machamp existed which uh game freak and the pokemon company should do he would have uh six arms Uh, but uh Either way, that's that's my reference. Uh, but yeah, she she gains four extra limbs with each with her own lightsaber and just goes hog wild. Uh, again, this this battle is just uh, animated in a very crazy way. I think it looks fantastic, you know, because yeah, got, like, you have light beams coming off the kyber crystal. The lightsabers look excellent. You're out in fucking space. I I, I thought it looked wonderful. I mean, all I, I love all, how yeah. I love how even Kare, who has his uh, whose lightsaber is merely a traditional one, can still extend it at will. 
Yeah, and uh, there, there's one, uh, there's some excellent dialogue in this uh, where Anne says, "Now I'll send you back to the galaxy of die." That's a <laughs> that's a typical trigger insane line, and I love it. X Men, welcome to die. Welcome to die. Uh, and uh, Kare, because he only speaks in uh, winky references, uh, tells our duo, "There is no try, only do." Why couldn't he have subverted it and say, there is no, I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to try it. I will try. And then Ryan Johnson walks out and says, <laughs> The Last Jedi, part two, coming summer 2023. <laughs> um, Wait, who's Ryan Johnson? Uh, right, we, don't, we don't say that name in Star Wars anymore. Uh, oh, that Ryan Johnson. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So anyways. You know what? He's the best. And I'm going to say that to all of you, uh, anyone who's triggered by that. He's he's the best. He's the best that there ever was. Um, Thank you, Malcolm. Uh, but as much as I would love to talk about that, we talked about it in the last Star Wars episode. So what, let's talk about the hyperdrive powered lightsaber strike, which just crushes the Star Destroyer. And it's fucking awesome. Unreal. Unreal. He's, he's surfing on an X-Wing. I don't know how a hyperdrive powers up a lightsaber, but I guess it's moving so fast that it's just I guess it's the speed. Maybe that's what it is. It's the speed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. Th- this yeah. is a fucking last trigger Jedi. scene. Yeah, because it's literally the shot from the Last Jedi, right? After he cut through it, it's the same thing as the 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 Holdo maneuver shot, where it's like a beam of light. Yeah, it's literally the same shot, and is I mean, is a great looking shot. So who can even complain? Exactly. Um. So yeah. Uh. And then of course, guess what? This massive uh, strike it hits on, and it blows off her clothes because again, this is a mm-hmm. fucking studio trigger production. Uh, my notes, though, uh, said her clothes get blown off, but since this is sexless Star Wars and not a true horny studio trigger production, there isn't that much skin. There, you can briefly see uh, a cleavage window, uh, but if this was trigger, she'd be missing a lot more, guys. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> this is uh, l- Go watch Kill the Kill, which is literally a show about um, why clothes are evil. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to do Kill the Kill. Kill the Kill is either... is. It's a trigger production. It's not for everyone. It is a very horny, very... Uh, anyway, so she does get defeated. And um, Kare, he doesn't know where she is, but, you know, maybe someday he'll find her. And he on a desert planet with twin sons, him, a twin, longing for his twin. Uh, it's like poetry. It rhymes. We'll say... <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's bad poetry. You know what? It rhymed and... Uh... And that's what, and that's that. Uh, which is a lot of these episodes end with just like a character vowing to do more. They're like, I'll be, I'll be, I did, I'll be honest. I'm just, I'll say this now. Like episode three and episode eight have the exact same ending essentially. Like I was just like, really? Like you, you have nine episodes and and two of them have the exact same ending with like a very similar like element of like a good sibling trying to save you know, they're bad sibling from going crossing over too far. You, you are absolutely correct. And because I split these episodes up, I didn't quite process that. Uh, I'll say I like the, the way episode eight ended, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, um, it's a good yeah. ending. If, epi- if episode three doesn't exist in this first season. <laughs> I, the, I will say the, the biggest win of this episode for me uh, was actually the music, which perfectly captured like classic John Williams, like, episode four score the same kind of like motifs 
and stuff. So I did really appreciate that from a, the, from a musical The music was good throughout this show, except for episode two, um, which uh, ironically for a, a music-centric episode was, yeah, garbage. But um, yeah, but like in terms of score, yeah, I, like the, the score was top-notch throughout the whole series. Uh, but yeah, the, I think episode three has, it plays really well with like, what they're doing in this it just episode. hit all the right motifs of like in episode four when when our main cast is on the death star like it's the same feel going from the soundtrack in this than it is in a in in, in, in episode four so episode four of star wars not episode four of star wars visions yeah which we're about to talk about now yeah episode four uh this one i believe is the the bride yeah, this is the village, village bride. bride. The village bride. The village bride. Um, this one's got some gorgeous music. It's set on like a forest planet. I thought it was very pretty, of course. Um, yeah, there's a dude wearing a metal mask. He's got like a weird iron rod device, and he meets with a another masked Jedi. And then, meanwhile, there's like this fiance who's uh, carrying his bride on his back. Uh, I I took a. I, I I wrote down a line, but because it was uh, yesterday when I watched this, I don't even know what it means. We are the sky. We are the forest. We are the river. We are one. Majina, will you rise? Um, Malcolm, you watched this episode earlier than me. Does that ring any bells to you? Not, re- I mean, not really. Like that was the one thing that was weird about some of these episodes. Where so there's a few episodes that start off with like narration and like dude, they, like this narration thing. And it felt weird because, like, you've got Star Wars and you've got the infamous scroll, right? Like, you know, I'm just like, why why aren't they using that? Well, you cut the narration, you do the scroll, and then you, like, you know, immediately jump into the action. And instead, there's no scroll whatsoever in any of these episodes, um, which I felt was a miss. Um, But then again, I haven't, yeah, it... And maybe it's not the biggest of deals, but it was just enough that I was just like, yeah, when you're doing stuff like that, I'm like, it would make have a little more impact if it was actually like more leaning into this Star Wars trope. But instead, I mean, this had like some Princess Mononoke vibes in terms of just like the planet and all that. And I really loved that. Um, but this, yeah, for the most part, again, it was like this thing. A lot of these episodes had to deal with siblings, which was a really like interesting um idea i guess that's what star wars is really all about it's all about siblings fighting um if i had to distill it down it's always like just it's a couple of siblings <laughs> you know um, always fighting they're they're if they're not kissing they're fighting um, <laughs> um to say to your point to say to your point about uh about scrolls it's like there's some of these episodes where i was like j- just a little more context would have helped because sometimes it just like drops you in, and the pacing can be a little weird. Not to say it is in this one, but it's just like okay, like I could have just used like a bit more of a setup than what you've given me here. And I get it; it's a short, it drops you in. It's you know all killer, no filler. At least that's the point. But uh, some context in some of these might have helped, and a scroll could have done that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so when when they say that line that I don't know. In- of uh, blue life engulfs them and they're able to see their past i thought that was yeah, neat that, that comes down to something about the the planet you know being a living thing right yeah that that, that line that you brought up yeah that, that was neat um the backstory for this planet though is uh the robots left by the separatists uh from way back when were reprogrammed by raiders 
as as raiders are to do, why couldn't the the villagers have reprogrammed the robots first? That that really would have helped them. <laughs> um, I wasn't quite clear on what was the deal. So wait, was was the bride pledged to the raiders? Uh, Logan, did you understand that better than me? What was the the deal with all that? There, there's only one good line in this episode where I felt like I actually had some meaning where I was just like, oh, that's a good like just line in general, like just for like anything, which was. Yeah, in the terms of like, because there's this bizarre sort of story of like, there's there's these two people they're getting married, but it like seems like there might be a marriage under duress, and like the sister of the bride is like, you know, um, how you know, how, it was something along the lines of like, uh, how can you like, why why is there so much mourning in this wedding? Like, it's like there should not, you know, a wedding shouldn't be sad. Uh, and yet, like, yeah, there's apparently the sad element. But because it's sort of like this weird, like, I, I don't even know what time frame this episode is supposed to take place in. Well, it's, it's not canon, so it's just its own thing. It, it references I, separatists, but like, that's a, what a cop out then. Like, what is like, why did I watch this? <laughs> like, why is this made? Why are they putting all this money in? <laughs> like, for like, it's not canon. <laughs> like, what's it like? Oh, no, the, the, the point of them being non-canon, though, is is because they wanted to give their animators freedom. They're just like, hey, take some ideas from Star Wars, do what you want with it. I like that aspect. I'm, I, I guess I'm I like pro- that aspect. I'm just like, this is what you made? Uh, like, this is what it is? Like, outside of, like, really interesting animation itself, like, for a, from a story perspective, it basically is like there's some sort of marriage that's happening and, you know, sister's upset and there's, like, the Empire's kind of hovering around and they're going to the sister is going to be with a band and like they're going to go and attack, but then they get captured and the empire is going to execute the sister, but Oh no, there's a Jedi. And then that has something to do with like the, you know, the, the land and something like that. And they, you know, the, that Jedi like saves the sisters. Uh, and then, then they leave and then that's it. I mean, yes, you, you articulated the basic plot of that. I do want to talk about some visual reference that I picked. Um, when they're about to execute the sister, um, the blaster bolt is frozen by the force. And that's something that Kylo Ren did in the beginning of episode seven, um, which was kind of the first time we had seen a blaster bolt been uh, been held by the force. Uh, so I picked up on that visual reference. I'm, I'm sure. I think I, if I recall that blaster bolt freezes in one of the first uh, teaser trailers for the force awakens. And when I saw that, I was like, well, like it was mind blowing. Cause like, like it makes sense, but we'd never seen it before, so uh, it was nice to see that kind of pop up again in in another another thing because it's a cool yeah thing. yeah it's a cool visual. I will say that was probably like the standout moment of the whole episode was like was that was that moment of the blaster being like stopped before she could kill the sister. I also liked um, the moment where the guy with the metal mask, he actually uses the metal mask as a weapon and it just totally fucks up the ship. So I was like, oh, that's cool. I've never seen a mask being used to blow up a ship before. And, uh, I did like how kind of how kind of goofy our, our main villain was when he does show up. He's like just kind of an over, it's just kind of an over the top, like kind of general. Uh, and I, I just I don't know. I liked the way he was portrayed in at least the English dub. Yeah. Um, also, our, our lead Jedi, after her mask comes off, um, you know, she reveals a, a very pretty face, but it has a scar on it. And her lightsaber is yellow, like a like a certain Ray Skywalker. Uh, Ray Skywalker. Ray Palpatine. Ray Skywalker. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so yeah, uh, that's a that's a visual reference. But I do like the fact that her 
lightsaber blade has a is a katana blade style and we see that in a couple other episodes too which which i like that's really cool you guys think do you guys think obi-wan kenobi got vaccinated <laughs> what i don't even because uh, he doesn't take death sticks what how does that uh how does that oh, i just yeah. want to see what you know my freedom must star wars how they would uh respond. Oh. oh they would definitely do like but they would definitely like that's like that's when like Kath, didn't you remember that's when kathleen kennedy came out again and goes like are you a good jedi because jedis get vaccinated and then we'd watch as she jabs into the arms some pfizer right Oh yeah, that's what, happened at, that's what happened at the end of the twins. Yeah, it's Kathleen. Yeah, and, and it became a COVID PSA. Yeah, and Tucker Carlson's ranting for an hour about it on Fox News, even though he's yeah. clearly been vaccinated. A- Anakin definitely did not get vaccinated. Anakin to, wants it to be properly tested before he, yeah. he does. Well, that. Anakin's a little bitch, <laughs> and uh, and I don't know. Anakin would well, cry if he gets a paper cut. He'd be like, "You don't." Hey, get Anakin didn't cry when his arm got cut off. Yeah, yeah that's. I guess. Well, no, but that's. Yeah, I guess he didn't cry when he got. Yeah, he'd he'd cry if like someone was said that his the sandwich he made was bad. He'd be like, "Why would you say that?" Let's talk about something good, which is the Ninth Jedi. Because um, I talked, I spoke to you earlier, Logan, that that was my favorite of the shorts when I watched five of them, and uh, it maintained that way. It's the longest, so it actually like makes the most sense. Like it is like it's basically like a regular episode of like an anime show in terms of length. And like I did like it as like a compact episode, but there was definitely times I don't know. I just felt like it dragged um, compared to. Story. Let's talk about who animated this uh, production. This was done by Production IG. Um, it's the oldest anime studio of of the ones that did uh, worked on these shorts. They also produced Ghost in the Shell, which is a pretty fucking big one. They also uh, did the anime scene in Kill Bill. So they're wow, crazy. That's yeah. Cool. Wow. And now like they're that. doing Star Wars Visions. How the mighty have fallen. So so this is all about uh, basically the the premise of this is that scattered the winds. Nobody really knows where. But this one person called the Margrave has brought together nine Jedi, hence hence the title of um, the piece, The Ninth Jedi. Uh, and he's looking to restore the Jedi Order, and he promises these Jedi lightsabers. And this, I, I can't, you know, it's funny, because I'm watching this short, and in my notes, I'm just talking about how predictable this is until I'm proven completely fucking wrong. So, these are my notes. Um... Ethan suspects, Ethan, who's our kind of lead male Jedi, although I'm not sure if he's really the lead by the end of it, um, he suspects this is a trap. He is probably right. A robot man pops out and says he feels the dark side. Trust the robot. Another very (laughs) tall robot pops in and is a bit more confident. Oh, yeah, and this is the other thing I said. He promises them a lightsaber. This sounds sus. Very sus to me. Uh, When someone promises you a lightsaber, I'm going to be a little sus about that. There's also these uh, catapults that are basically like wrangling uh, asteroids or something. And there's there's kyber crystals in these asteroids. If I'm correct, kyber am I correct? Yeah. On I, maybe. Crystals. I don't know. Everyone's there's always talking about the kyber. Again. Yeah, everyone's talking about the fucking kyber crystals. I, I'm sitting here going, what the fuck is going on? Uh, like it's everyone's like, the kyber crystals, the kyber crystals. No, why won't my little brother love me? Like that's what it's all of this. What I'm. <laughs> So it's all about these shorts are all about that. Uh, so all these all these fun. shorts all these shorts were written by um they weren't they weren't written by Lucasfilm employees or or American writers they were all writers. Um, but is, it be I like that I like that they went and like actually got like 
writers from these studios to go write these. It's just that, like, at some point you'd think that Lucasfilm or, like, Disney would go around and be like, hey, like, can you pitch us some ideas so that we they're not all alike? Like, like I wanted, again, it's this thing about, like, these episodes that I felt just missed the mark, which is, like, I felt like there was a good opportunity because this is an anthology show that you could be very subversive and really lean into like what your studio does really well, which I thought was what Studio Trigger did pretty well. I felt like that's what um, was it Kamikaze uh, Daga did really well, um, and and then the ne- in the next episode, Science Saryu, I felt they did that really well too. Um, and instead, again, it was just like, oh, like again, there was no oversight to be like, hey, like these two stories are kind of familiar or similar, so can you do like your second idea and then you know we'll like work on it because like that's most what this lacked it lacked a showrunner but i guess they're short so they're not supposed to, but i get what you mean maybe maybe well, yeah, they, make- just because they're shorts doesn't mean like they're being released as like a collection it shouldn't mean that they sh- there should be at least some variety uh but like this one like i said it does stand out because it is different like this one is different so it, it doesn't really apply to the ninth jedi um but yeah, sorry. I just felt like I, I needed to say that. Um, but anyway, so after the whole um, asteroid uh, wrangling sequence, uh, we have this girl named Kara, and she visits her father, who is a saber blacksmith, which is you know cool, cool little concept. And uh, is the sabers here are are kind of uh, blackish gray. They only turn color um, when it identifies like which side of the force you're on, or or when you've discovered your force potential, I suppose. Which is a neat concept, which uh, plays a certain role in the plot uh, very soon. Kara's uh, father says a lot of things that uh, paint a big target on his back. Oh, Kara, you've grown so much. And she says, you act like this is the last time we'll see each other, father. And then he gets kidnapped. We don't even know what happens to her father. Does that even like play a role? That's the cliffhanger. And that's the other thing. These episodes have These episodes have cliffhangers, which means... I think there's probably a season two coming, given how some of these do not even have real endings. Yeah, they they kind of feel like like sketches on some level, where like there's something uh, I was told once, and I remember, and like I see it all the time now when I like you know I'm doing sketch stuff or uh, or I'm like say I like watching SNL or something. Is that most sketches just don't like they just end all of a sudden, like they're just like it's over. And, like, I felt like, yeah, like you said, this happened a lot. And this episode's pretty egregious about it, where it's just like, you know, yeah, you have these moments where it's pretty, you know, like her being like, I think it's the last time I'm going to see you. And then, yeah, he kind of, he dies. Like, oh, spoiler alert, he's dead by the end of it. Um, Just like there's, like, other ones where it's like, I had a vision, I'm going to kill you. And then they kill them. And then you're like, oh, well, that's great. Like, that, you kind of ruined any sort of twist that may have happened. Uh, And this one, again, it just ends. It's like, oh, you know, now, like, you know, we had to, you know, the Siths know about your father. And it's like, that's over. Um, And it's like, that's not really an ending. Like, I think that's the thing is these shorts, like, because none of them had, like, twist endings or, like, or anything like that. They are a lot of them are open ended, but I'll be honest, I don't really want to revisit any of them. To be honest, like I, I felt, I want to, re- I want to revisit a few, including this one because I, I like the characters. Um, so so, anyways, moving moving back to the plot, there's a the big tall robot. He shows the Jedi the lightsaber to assuage their doubts, and then oh look, behind the big tall robot is a throne that gives off major Palpatine vibes. Red flag, folks. 
<laughs> did, did, did you both feel a red flag going on when you saw that throne? Oh, yeah. You should not trust a guy, especially if his name is the fucking Margrave, which sounds like a super sus name to begin with. There's a speeder chase with uh, Kara, which is pretty fun. And then after that speeder chase ends, uh, she runs into a character who I loved, a tea-sipping droid who's on his break. That tea-sipping droid really doesn't want to help her out. So Kara arrives. Um, she finally brings uh, the lightsabers and the um, the Jedi. Supposedly the Jedi turn these blades on. And this is where I'm like, oh, shit, they're Sith. They're all red. And you're like, oh, shit. And that was when I'm like, oh, my expectations have been subverted. Yeah, Malcolm, were were your expectations subverted? Did you did you think those guys were sus, or were you were you very anti? Well, I actually didn't think they were sus, and they, and it did surprise me. Like this was again one of the one like like the first episode, like the dual episode. This had an ending that I was like, okay, this kind of redeemed it. That's why I, like I didn't like fully hate it. And, like this is one of those moments where like it like because I felt at times it was a little boring, but then yeah, when it revealed that like oh these are dark side people i was like okay i like that so i gotta give that credit yeah and that's of course set up by the fact that in this world um these kind of gray gray shadowy lightsabers they the, the color glows on the allegiance um depending on your allegiance you know what i mean so yeah they were bad people and therefore it went uh red and then the margrave he turns out he was in the big tall robot of course Fucking Joker that Margrave is. And the Margrave is good because the Saber is green. So your doubts about the Margrave are completely gone at this point. Exactly. Yeah, so you got the Margrave, you got Ethan and... Uh, Ethan? And, 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 and Kara. Girl. girl. Yeah, Kara. Kara. Um, Kara. <laughs> at one point in my notes, I referred to as um, Ray knockoff. Because she she totally gives off Ray vibes. Yeah, I could see it. I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't make it. Action, but yeah, I, I won't. Yeah, yeah, maybe like a young, yeah, like but, a young Ray. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Bakara, because she's a she's a good girl. Her saber turns green too. Um, the death of kind of the main antagonist Jedi, who again the the main Jedi who you think is a Jedi, I guess it turns out he's a Sith. He's he's your kind of typical Obi Wan looking figure, uh, which is why of course the twist uh, of him being Sith is so good. And then his death is like fucking brutal. He gets burned to death. Not all these Jedi, not all these Sith are bad. One of them, his uh, lightsaber ends up turning purple. He's kind of the guy who looks a little like a bunny. Uh, so he's like, good. Like the the evil of the others corrupted me or whatever. And with yeah. the rest of them being annihilated by our bud, the Margrave, he, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm down to be good again. <laughs> yeah, so, so it turns out this was all an elaborate to figure out who was good because some of the Margrave's Jedi contacts had, had been killed. So the Margrave, you know, smart dude, that Margrave. Because, um, yeah, it ends with the survivors ends with the survivors looking to start a new Jedi Order. And in my notes, this is from my notes, I'm down for a sequel. Maybe like old Kara with her new full-blown Jedi Order. Maybe. Any, Maybe. any more thoughts on that one, Malcolm, before we move on to... Uh, to- no. Um, we're going to talk about Toby. Uh, while my cat Toby is uh, nipping at my leg, oh fuck, he heard his name. He got mad at me. Yeah, cat cats uh, cats can be fucked up. I, I had a cat growing up. My mom's cat Skippy. Uh, when she was a psychopathic cat, like she was just like if she didn't like you, she really hated you, and she did not like my brother. Right? 
Uh, to- yeah, to- Toby's a good dude. He's just yeah, he, he can be a little edgy sometimes. But when he's sweet, he's such a sweetheart. Would, would Anyways, you say Toby is an edge lord as a cat? Uh, not quite. He's a fucking bitch most of the time. <laughs> it's like right. such a wussy, wussy. Um, but Toby, um, Toby the droid. So, if, are either of you guys familiar with the the cartoon Astro Boy? Because this is this is one hundred percent Astro Boy. Um, in Star Wars. In my notes, I have uh, Toby is Astro Boy slash Mega Man slash yes. something, something out of a, a Disney because he looks very Disney. Toby, yeah, Toby looks like the character Disney would create when they like want to rebrand like the monorail at like Disneyland. Like that's how I feel. Like that. Like it's like the a Pip Boy right from Fallout. Like it's like that. It's like all those. Like it's like this this fifties sort of style. To, like. Like boy, uh, I really enjoyed this episode, and and the only thing, yeah, this one I I like. I really love the animation style to it. Maybe it's because like I don't know a ton about like Mega Man and Astro Boy and all that stuff, but I've always kind of liked like just from an aesthetic perspective that look, um, like that kind of fifties look. And so yeah, it was kind of nice to see it play out. The only thing that really pissed me off about this episode was that. Um, the professor like the one who like the armless professor which also it took me a minute to realize the professor had no arms that that's uh, another note I, I wrote i wrote does uh mitaka who's the professor does mitaka i did not even notice that does he not have arms yeah what? mitaka does not have arms what the fuck yeah it's yeah. really weird because i saw it initially and then i was like huh I was like, am I seeing, like, is this like, I'm, am I seeing things? And then it's like, no, that's why he gets, like, Toby and stuff to, like, make all of his uh, plans come to life. But the thing that also kind of annoyed me was that he, the professor, Mitaka, um, weirdly voiced by Kyle Chandler, which I did not expect from, like, Friday Night Lights. I was like, this is, this was weird. But uh, I found that with, uh, I just was bothered that initially, the professor's calling Toby uh, T0B1. And then at a certain point, he just abandons that. And it was like, Toby, come here. Like, that's like what happened. It's like, they're just like, there's no reason for him to have been like T0B1 outside of like it being stylistically shown. Cause I do like throw the card up of like the name of this episode. Um, like you could just been said Toby the whole time. I just was bothered by that. Just personally. I was like, why why switch in the middle of the episode? <laughs> like, for no reason. Okay. Well, I was going to say, uh, like Malcolm, I did also really like this one. But I will say, like, the pacing, at least in the first five minutes, was, like, bizarre. And I was, like, having, like, almost, like, like what is going on here? Like, this is all over the place. Slow down. But uh, as it, as it kind of caught up with itself, I, I did start to get quite into it. Yeah, this one seemed to be a bit of a victim of the fact that it's one of the f- quickest episodes. Like, it is, like, like 13 or 14 minutes long, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, pacing here, like, felt a little more, like, all over the map. Whereas, like, other episodes, like, in studios felt like they could add an extra minute or two or three. Or in some yeah. cases, like, five or six to, like, pace it out a little better. And so that's kind of, I do agree with that. It was at the beginning, you're like kind of disoriented about what's going on, but by the end, it's like, okay, I sort of yeah, get strong it. for this one for sure. Where he goes, got him at the end. Oh, yeah. 
There's the Gotham hand. Oh. Well, he well the Gotham is that he's powered by uh, Kyber crystals. Everyone's favorite. Um, <laughs> uh, Gotham. Yes. Uh, Kyber crystals. So, yeah, to- Toby is this robot who dreams of being a Jedi. Um, I liked the dreams were done in this like chalk uh, style. I thought that was really yeah. cool. Yeah, Absolutely. I liked the dream sequence he has. That was nice. Um, of course, you know, a Sith uh, pops down. And um, the other thing, too, uh, the professor, uh, he, uh, Logan, you said Mega Man. Uh, the professor is basically Dr. Light, Mega Man's yep, creator. That was the whole connection. I was like, that's Dr. Light. That's Mega Man. And the villain's going to show up and it's going to be Dr. Wily. But then it wasn't. So, yeah, there's no Dr. <laughs> I guess the, the villain is a robot master, so maybe there's potential uh, if there's a Toby sequel for uh, for Doctor Wily. Kyle Chandler should totally play Doctor Light in um the Mega Man movie. I'm shocked, him. I had no idea. Like, what a weird was, and he did a very good job. He did a great job. I gotta say, like there, uh, there's like with some people in here, like who when you heard them, you're like, I think there might be a little miscast. Uh, like, but he was, yeah, I was like, when I saw him in the credits, I was like, really? Like he, like he's, I guess he's way more talented because I feel like he's played recently since Friday Night Lights, sort of versions of us, the same character on some level. And so for him to kind of stretch out a bit and do something that like, I don't think a lot of people would have even given him the opportunity to do. I was like, all right, I'm in, I'm into this. Um, he nailed it. Yeah, but yeah, because he nailed it. Like as a voice actor, like yeah, he nailed it. He might not have the look uh, for Professor Light, but I guess maybe there, you know, you could put a makeup on him or something. It could work. Yeah. This short and also um, the final short uh, were both animated by Science Saru. Uh, their their previous work is Japan Sinks Twenty Twenty and Devilman Crybaby, which uh, is definitely material closer to the to the final short and not Toby. Uh, those two things are very fucking depressing. Japan, Japan sinks. I was only able to watch three episodes of because it was just so so miserable. <laughs> I was like, I am good. I'm, I might want to know what happens next, but I don't know. If it, it was it was bleakness. Uh, yeah, Devilman Crybaby. I was gonna say that is not this. This is like the most no. Disney uh, uh, of the shorts. Like it's very happy go lucky. And I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess there is a a, a death in it, but. Yeah, I wanted more of this. Like when I when I talk about like the like wanting some more subversive content, I was wanting more episodes like this where it's like it's clearly paying homage to like again, like you said, like Mega Man and Astro Boy and like and all that stuff, but it's set in the Star Wars world. And I was like that's what I was kind of expecting going into this is like oh, I was expecting more of that and like instead it obviously we got a lot of like of the same but uh, where they all did the same thing. But like for, for me, like that's one of the reasons to stand out. Like it has like almost like some weird, like, you know, like that classic Disney short Fantasia. Like, I, I don't know. It just like felt the same where instead of, you know, the magic of Fantasia, you end up having like all the robots kind of working together with Toby. And like, especially at the yeah. end where like he's, you know, summoned to go and, you know, save the planet and be the Jedi that he dreams of being which i guess like in theory because he was created by professor mataka you know those dreams are it, he is a jedi so it is kind of transplanting like he is like being like you're not ready yet but like you know and the whole episode toby spends looking for the kyber crystal 
as it turns out, the kyber crystal was inside him all along. The, <laughs> the, the, the real kyber crystal was the friends we made along the way. Exactly. I, I will say from a visual standpoint as well, I really loved the use of blue in this episode. Like it's a lot of like light blues, turquoises, like the like the way they use blue in this episode was really nice. Like it was just like it made it stand apart. It's why this and the duel, which I think are the two uh, episodes that really take the most artistic license. I felt like that's the reasons why in my mind they stood above the rest is like, just like visually, like you could put this on without audio and you'd, you'd have a enjoy your time. Yeah. uh, I don't have much more to say other than I really like the, the design of the, uh, the Sith, the the robot master Sith. I thought he was very cool looking. That's, that's kind of the extent of it. Oh yeah. Um, Also, I was going to say, I feel like Toby, like, yeah, I know I've been Joe or, you know, kidding about i don't want to see any sequels i feel like toby is one where i could be like if they were like hey we're gonna do like a spinoff show of this and it's gonna be based on toby i could totally see it because i could be like all those little robots and like and toby himself i'm like those would sell like gangbusters as toys like that this was like a also a toys centric episode i feel like you you definitely want to give your kid a toby um and you know if you guys want to see cat pictures of my toby you can see on my instagram um moving on so so you mentioned uh shorts that felt the same let's talk about the elder which uh i think i have the least notes for this because there's very little to it oh yeah i was gonna say here this was the worst of them like this episode fucking sucks like this one sucks (laughs) i think you might be right because at least uh tatooine rhapsody um, I'll say this, like, I think the sound, the song sounds better in Japanese and the animation, you know, it's got a nice animation style too. So it's got that going for it. Uh, this was actually done by Studio Trigger as well, uh, but it didn't have any of their fun triggerisms. Uh, there's yeah, not much to it, guys. No, uh, I, I'm going to say this. This is something I, I wrote down in my notes that I felt is needed. Um, so if, uh, if you didn't realize, uh, David Harbour is the voice I I this is my note David Harbour gives a performance so lifeless I thought I was dead uh, my note <laughs> to that end my note is was David Harbour asleep while he was <laughs> yeah I, that was it exactly I was like this like I was like what is going on like David Harbour sounds like he was coaxed out of a coma handed a script and told that you have like 10 minutes to record or we're going to kill your family. Like, that's what it like. And he gives a performance that you're like, he's like, David Harbour since Stranger Things has been absolute standout after standout in everything he's done. Like, he, he's probably, he's the best, like, one of the best parts of Black Widow. He's obviously, like, the standout of Stranger Things. Like, he's, like, everything he's in, like, he, he made that Hellboy movie somewhat tolerable from the parts I saw of it. Um, like he just like, he's fun. He seems like he's having the best time when he's playing like these kind of fun over the top characters that then get to have these moments. And instead for this one, it was just like, let's give him the most subdued. Like it's, it's kind of like what, like with Tyler, like with, if Kyle Chandler was like, I'm going to take a shot at doing like professor Mataka and really show my range. I feel like David Harbour tried to do the same, but instead he was like, what if I, don't do anything and expect people to like it because I'm here. It's like he watched Liam Neeson in Phantom Menace and was like, I bet I can do that three times in four. 
That's so true. Um, but on the opposite side of that, uh, there is uh, James Hong, who plays the elder. Uh, and in one of my favorite films, Big Trouble in Little China, he's, he's low pan. I think he does a wonderful job as the elder, who is fucking creepy as shit. He like, did a great movie. job. Like, that's yeah. the thing where it's like, I met, like, he, James Hong, I like is one of those actors in my mind yeah like from like the days of big trouble in little china like he's always every time he pops into something i'm always excited i'm always like oh sweet like he's if i'm not mistaken he's one of the most like cast actors in hollywood history like he's it like his imdb page like is like hundreds of credits like he's like in everything like he's probably the best part of that really bad uh the day the earth stood still remake uh that came out a few years ago like I remember him like distinctly being good in that uh, when everyone else was shit. Uh, you know, I mean, he even has, I mean, he even has like a classic Seinfeld episode. So before we use a stray away from the day the earth stood still 2008 film, you know, who else was in that? Kyle Chandler. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Oh man. What a yeah. small world. Um, and also, also John Hamm, but John Hamm wasn't in, uh, Star Wars Visions, unfortunately. I mean, he would have done better job than David Harbour in this role. Let's oh, uh... no, dude, make make John Hamm a Jedi. That would be dope. That'd be good. Um, I don't got I much. I don't got much to say. The premise of this is uh, a Jedi and, and their Padawan. Um, they go to a planet. They they gotta fight an elder. They kill the elder. Um, I thought it was like a neat twist where it looked like the Padawan was gonna die, but then he didn't. So, um, not much happens in this. You just explained it. Oh, yeah. Also, the Padawan uh, just has no personality whatsoever. <laughs> it's just like, he's just like, I mean, here's a Padawan. That is personified in his name, which is Dan. Oh, yeah. it's Yeah, it is just Dan, <laughs> which is just like, hey, in, a, in a world of interesting names, if you're named Dan, like you, it feels like you should be like an accountant on the Death Star. They're just like, yeah, the budget, you know, I just wanted to say we're having a little bit of like too much is being spent uh, like in like, you know, sector four. So maybe we can like figure out what's going on here. Like they seem to be using too many, you know, saber bullets or whatever. Um, Yeah, we need to talk to HR. Uh, (laughs) uh, You keep yelling at me. Um, That's what Dan does in the Star Wars universe, it feels like. But yeah, he's, I don't know, it's the worst one. Like this one, there's no... No redeeming. Like you can, you can skip. Uh, I think it's like well animated, but like yeah, but they're all well animated to an extent. I mean, so, yeah. yeah, I mean these are all well animated. Like, but this one is there's nothing outside of yeah, kind of James Hong's kind of great as like this evil guy. Yeah. All right. Um, episode eight. L- lop. Is it lope or lop? Lope and lope and ocho. Um. Yeah. This one does again. It's about siblings. Uh. This time two sisters. So it's got quite a similar presence to the twins. I actually liked a bit of the world building. You know, this is a planet that's been taken over by the Empire. Um, Lope is, um, she's like a bunny girl, and she doesn't actually, like, have her own family. Uh, she's like a slave, but she gets, she's, she's. we see her, like, trying to steal food, and then um, kind of, um, I don't know if he's wealthy per se, but, you know, this father, he he sees that she's trying to steal food. and Well, he's the daughter. clan leader. Like, he's the, like, the head okay. of the planet. Yeah, so he sees her, and his daughter kind of just instantly um, forms a friendship with Lop. And yeah, she's like, "Let's <laughs> let's adopt her father." Uh, it happens very quickly, uh, but it's nice. 
So we see this kind of yeah. happy uh, relationship between these like uh, two young kids and uh, it ends with them on a beach or like the, the prologue ends with them on a beach and uh, the, the daughter, the daughter to the clan leader says, we're going to become a proper family as a uh, droid. It like takes like a little video clip of them. Which uh, which sets up the future because yeah, seven years in it, yeah smash cut seven years later and you know and then you realize very quickly in this episode that they did not establish the sister relationship at all because there's rifts that's there's rifts in it immediately there's no like bond like outside of like essentially Ocho saving uh, Loper. Uh, um like that's about it and then afterwards it's like no we're sisters uh and instead like it's like i don't know this one was just weird in terms of like that relationship which is like the driving power of the finale of this episode uh it's supposed to be about this bond as a family but it's like pretty clear ocho has like basically been like you were you're not my sister you never were and i'm just like hey woman like ocho you're the one who brought her in like if this is you're the one who brought her in, and so to be like you're not the rightful successor, I was like, what was this whole opening let's, then? Let's let's slow down. So so at this point, it's like seven years later. Driving, also, like, the audacity really... for a short to be like cut to seven years later is just pisses me off. Like because because initially when I saw the title Lopinocho, for whatever reason, I thought we were gonna get like some sort of like cop sh- like episode like it would be like about like two cops i don't know because for whatever reason i was like oh that's like a star wars version of law and order for whatever reason like lope show like on the usa network you know you loved monk and then you also loved psych now well you know and from the makers of white collar comes lope show <laughs> you know that's what i was hoping for and yeah that would have been great and instead we get basically the twins, but as if like they were adopted and Ocho is just a dick throughout it like the whole time. Like at no point did I feel like Ocho uh, had any redeeming quality, which kind of sucked because again, she's the one like as a child who brings her in. I would have liked a montage of them being sisters and maybe like splitting apart, like where they start off really close and then like, as they've aged up, then you start seeing like Ocho's becoming more distant and like maybe you see a little bit more of the Empire. But the fact that it's just this hard cut, uh, I was just like, you fucking bastards. <laughs> you you took the easy way out and it shows. And then to honestly to also be on the back end of the Elder where I was just like, ugh, the whole time watching that. I was just like, I don't have time for another episode in which the ending is the same to the to twins like this 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 is why you gotta split them up this is why you gotta do what i did where you just split them up and you're just like okay i'm just gonna watch two of these uh well, you, for my can't, session. you can't be that nice to this like that's the thing like you got there's too much money has been spent on this and and i've spent now too much time in this fucking world <laughs> to be like this will i'll just accept it this is why Star Wars keeps disappointing everyone. It's because people go like, oh, I guess they, could, they couldn't they could have done better. And I'm just like, you could have done better. And I'm not even that big of a Star Wars fan, but I was just like, if I was more of a Star Wars fan, oh, I'd be like, God damn you. Ocho, I felt, she actually brought up some points to side with the Empire. I'm going to give Ocho some credit. She, she thought this through. She's like, you know, the Empire does offer some protection. They offer trade routes, whatever, like, you know, she's trying to think about her family in her own way. I was, 
I was sympathetic to to her case because you know uh, when you are under an occupation, sometimes uh, sometimes unfortunately the only way you got to do is to kind of work within it. Uh, re- rebelling doesn't necessarily uh, get you anywhere, as as we've seen in reality. Sometimes you kind of you got to work within the system. Sometimes, so I I understood where she was coming from. I know Empire bad, but I was I was trying to appreciate what they were doing. Um, the Empire guy, though, uh, did he, he give either of you guys Fifth Element vibes? He looks like Gary Oldman from The Fifth Element. He doesn't have the Tupperware, but he's got kind of like the flop hair. So, anyways, Ocho, of course, she she's anti Empire as well. She uh, she and her father have a heart to heart where um, her adoptive father is like, "Yes, you are part of the family," and he gives her the lightsaber and he kind of tells her the legend of the Jedi, which you know it's nice, but it's also a legend that we know. Because uh, we've watched a lot of shorts, and we've also watched a lot of Star Wars. Uh, so we get that. I thought the duel with um, Ocho Ocho and her father was pretty dope, actually. I like that her father uses size, because um, Raphael is my favorite Ninja Turtle, and he uses size. So yeah, we, we get the sister-versus-sister sister, versus sister fight. Uh, that was great. Another episode, we decided to end it on a cliffhanger. <laughs> um, so tune in for Star Wars Visions uh, Season 2, uh, Lope versus Ocho 2. Uh, but I did like I did like how it ends, where they play back the recording from seven years ago. We're gonna become a proper family, and then you're just like, oh, they did. Yeah, that ending would have hit harder had they like established more with the family. Like I think that's like the thing that was missing from this episode was just like I wanted a little more of that establishing, especially of them being a family, because it felt like she gets introduced to the family and then like. It's seven years later and there's the rift and like, obviously the empire's there and Ocho is, you know, she, what is it? Cuts herself and then puts the blood on the, like her, the eyes and like basically makes some sort of, sort of uh, like face paint. That was kind of creepy. I was like, Oh geez, that's intense. And then obviously she cuts her hair, um, which I thought was a good symbol, like to ha- give to the father of like, this is what she's, she's joining the empire. But, but yeah, I don't know. I still, I felt like, she, I felt like the father was right. It's like you needed to like protect the land over like joining the empire. For sure. I mean, there's not going to be really any pro empire shorts. Um, well, that's the thing. There should have been one. There should have been like, like that's the thing that was missing. Like this whole time was like I was waiting for something that was maybe a little more like something where like maybe the good you know the good guy you know is slaughtered or like you know the or the empire does win. Actually, let's talk about moving on to our final short, because this one actually does. This is what a short to end this on. The, the weird, interesting placement, because uh, Akakiri, it's uh, it's about a Jedi. They're haunted by um, what I thought were visions of the past, but in fact are uh, premonitions. So we kind of get this, like, you know, neat little action scene uh, earlier of them kind of uh, beating beating off... <laughs> Not being off, beating beating up raiders on the plane, um, whatever. Uh, but that's the kind of thorough line is this Jedi uh, is having all these visions that are that are kind of wounding them, and the Jedi is taking care of this uh, princess who is um, who feels there's a Sith hidden among the royal family, and she's basically been exiled. So his job is to to kind of help her out. Uh, but things don't go as planned, guys. Things don't go as planned. <laughs> I thought that the Sith in this one was really cool. It's it's uh it's a black woman, but she's kind of heavier set. Again, we don't we don't see that type of body type in media a ton. 
uh, in general. But, you know, I like the fact that they made like a really cool, cool looking uh, Sith Lord for this final short. What about you guys? Uh, what was the the Sith Lord's name again? Is that I did not get Masaga? her name. Saga, yeah, maybe Masaga. I think it's probably a bad sign that this is the one I've seen the most recently, but the one I remember the least about. I'm in the same boat. I know as the you twist. Again. I know the twist, but aside from the twist, uh, I don't got a ton of it. I thought there were some cool character designs. Let's talk the twist though. He slays the princess. It turns out because in the visions, he he's haunted by this masked figure who he's slain. Anyways, the princess, she kind of goes ahead of uh, the Jedi. She ends up getting captured. And then when the Jedi is kind of uh, fighting the minions of the Sith, they're all masked. And uh, it turns out the, the Sith had, had put a mask on the uh, princess. So he accidentally slays her. And he's like, oh, God, what the hell have I done? But then the Sith tells him, uh, you know, if he, if he just uh, does a little something extra, he can save her. He goes with it. He saves the princess, but at the cost of his soul, because yeah, he has to leave with the Sith with the Sith as uh, the Sith apprentice. Downer ending, folks. Uh, the good guy's losing this one. I liked it. I well, I gotta say, I, I did like the ending of this one. That it was a little bit more of a downer. Like this was the risk. <clears throat> this was the risk I wanted them to take earlier. Like this was like I wanted more episodes like this. <clears throat> like this was probably number three on my list in terms of like if I was to be like the duel was first and then uh, Toby was second. This was third because like it's different from the others. And it's it's interesting that Science Saru is the creators behind two of those three. I felt like they understood the assignment in ways that some of these other studios just did not. Yeah, this this again has a nice concept. Um it's not my favorite. I think it's maybe more in the middle middle tier, maybe. But I'd love to see a horror one, something that was like in that horror, like body horror, whether or not like what is it like? What if you like, you know, got a bit of that uh, infamous uh, kyber crystal in you, and it like tar- starts transforming you into like pulling you in between like the you know dark side and the good side? Like that could have been really interesting. I don't know. There's just like so many things like I'm like that, you know, instead of it being about a band, like what if we just had like a Star Wars musical? Like, I don't know. I kept thinking about that. Like I almost wanted the Simpsons team to basically come in and do like when uh, Mark Hamill guested on the Simpsons and he does like Luke be a Jedi tonight song in the middle of his like guys and dolls performance. I was like, I kept wanting like something like that to show up like a comedic thing. Like I wanted one that like that could have just been really funny. Yeah, ultimately, I just hope they do more and they don't play it quite so safe. As there's some some of the ones I I really liked, and other ones were just so forgettable. So, uh, yeah, I think hopefully they do another season and they let people go a little more experimental with it. Yeah, I I want them to like be yeah embrace it being an anthology show and like embrace like different genres, different styles. Like, like, kind of do what they do did in, like, What If, and just, like, go for it. Like, that's what I oh. think I wanted. I wanted this to be the What If of the Star Wars world, and it, like, wasn't. And it only comes close. And I think what makes it so sad is that it, like, comes close to it in a couple of these episodes, but, like, other episodes just, like, where they played it, like, as safe as abstinence. Yeah, I, I mean, you definitely didn't need the Elder when you already have the Duel, because the Duel is excellent and the Elder is just kind of boring. Exactly. The, the elder could have been cut. Like that should have been. They should have read that script, 
and then been like, toss it. Let's do something better. Um, let's talk about something that is better. Our favorite segment, the Speedwagon segment. Uh, cue the music, Sasha. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. So for those just joining, our Speedwagon is our favorite, favorite supporting uh, character in these uh, various shorts. Um, I'll start off. Originally, originally, my Speedwagon was going to be the three-headed drummer uh, from Tatooine Rhapsody because I thought he was a really cool character design. Those That short was also just very well animated. And the, the, the three-headed drummer looks like he was having a good time, you know? But, but... Upon my rewatch of the Ninth Jedi, as you could probably guess, it's the the tea sipping droid who is just a very funny character. And I think also because I was watching that in Japanese the second time, uh, the Japanese voice acting for the tea sipping droid is just fantastic. Yeah, maybe I'll have to watch all the uh, all the all the Japanese versions of these episodes. Cause... So here's the thing: I, I read another complaint on Twitter. Um, so Malcolm, Malcolm, you've noticed this in anime before: subtitles don't match up with the English dub. And people actually like that because the subtitles are supposed to reflect the actual Japanese script and not the newer well, script. Well, I will say the, the complaint I have is when if I've listened to the dub and then that subtitles, those subtitles don't line up with that dub. Whereas like if I'm just watching like an original and it's subtitled, I mean, obviously I don't care as much. What, what I'm trying to explain to Malcolm, though, is and I, this is something I never really clarified to you before mostly watch dubs is you're not supposed to watch those subs with that dub. I, the subs you should be watching would be the ones uh, referred to as closed caption because the, the dub scripts, yeah. Um, or the subscripts are different from the dubs because they're the direct translation. The dub scripts are handled by their own people. So that's just my correction. Cause apparently people, people have made that distinction just on Twitter and they don't like the fact this is what I'm getting at. They don't like the fact that Disney only offers the closed caption scripts, which means you don't actually get to see what the direct Japanese scripts were. Oh, weird. That's, that is kind of weird that they're doing that. So for, for further reflection, if you're going to um, watch a dub and put on subtitles, what you should be doing is, is making sure it's specified the closed caption one. Otherwise, you're getting the direct Japanese, which is handled by separate people versus the dub script. Um, and yeah, people, people were unhappy and they were just like, Disney, how the fuck did you botch that? Which given that they botched the song in, uh, Tatooine Rhapsody, uh, it doesn't surprise me. I think they're still, they still don't quite understand what they're doing with anime. Uh, that's a whole nother tangent. Uh, what was your, um, speed wagon, Malcolm? Uh, I mean, I was, I was thinking about that drummer, um, I was thinking about just Toby himself, but I think he may be too big, much of a main character. I, I think Toby is. I think we're allowed lead characters because these are nine shorts, so it's not like I, these people reappear. I think like the, the discussion we were having earlier, uh, I felt weirdly enough for like what I think is the worst episode of the whole thing. I want. I do want to. Like I was thinking about like also the uh, the elder, like who you know uh, who was in the worst episode. I felt like he was the redeeming part of it but you know i think when i like everything is said and done i probably have to go uh with the drummer i think the drummer character that was just like a like you said it's a fun character design uh it was something one of those things where i saw it initially in the episode and it gave me hope that like oh this episode's going to be like 
kind of just as good as the duel. And like, you know, it ended up being disappointing. But I don't know. I like this idea of like this three headed like thing that can spin around like uh, that's playing the drums all at the same time. I don't know. There's something kind of cool about it. So it's probably the most unique character design in the whole show. Um, and I kind of wanted to see more of that sort of stuff. And the fact that that does and like it's very only unique to that episode it kind of was disappointing but yeah it's the drummer yeah hate to be boring but i I gotta go with you jack and say the uh the tea sipping lazy robot was a real winner for me i really enjoyed that kind of comedic aspect to that episode uh in an otherwise very serious episode you have kind of like just a goofy robot he doesn't really want to work which i'm sure we can all relate to and he's just trying to have his tea time you know and then she's like, well, you know, I guess I could ask one of the other guys. And then the camera pans and they're all fucking fried. So it's uh, he's the only one left. Awesome. Um, final thoughts. Yeah, my final thoughts is I definitely enjoyed it more than Malcolm. I think Malcolm's also, however, brought up some fair uh, criticisms. You know, some of these shorts land, some of them don't. I guess it's almost like a critique that some of these end on cliffhangers because, like, would these be continued in another season of Star Wars Visions or will they do what they're doing with Ronan and doing a Visions novel <laughs> or, or, or a comic book, which I probably will not buy? So therefore that I might not get the full story. So, but you know, it's star Wars. So they, they always, you know, you got to find out how a three PO got his red arm. That was, that was pretty bad. That was, that was a, or, you know, things that actually matter. Like how the fuck did Maz Kanata get Luke's lightsaber? A story for a time. Fuck off. Or um, everything involving Ray Palpatine, which they had to, Pretty much, they were pretty much just giving backstory at press junkets, just like focus testing it. They're like, "Well, maybe she's this." Uh, what do you think, guys? Does that make any sense? And they're like, "Boo!" But remember, remember, Jack. Remember, Jack. John Favreau is retconning the Star Wars sequels. Uh, I, I got bad news for people who want that. Um, every time Mando, uh, em- every time the Empire and Mando mentions, it might be a First Order. Um, oh. Uh, that might yeah. be a listen. Yeah. Dun, Here's, dun, people, dun. people love Dave Filoni, but I'll have you know that Dave Filoni, who uh, obviously you know uh, handled the Clone Wars cartoon very well, he, you you hired Dave Filoni to get him take things you don't like and attach them to things you do like, which uh, does not bode well for people who don't want the Last Jedi to be canon. In fact, <laughs> I again, Filoni is friends with with Johnson, so. I I don't think these people are going to get their desired result. Yeah, no, that's you just got to accept it. You got to move on. So, hey, some some Star Wars is good. Some Star Wars is bad. We might agree which Star Wars is good or bad. I you know I like Star Wars. I'm down for more visions. I think Malcolm just the points he's made. I want to see them go even further in in using the genre of anime to go beyond just like okay Kurosawa reference. Uh, let's do let's do something more. Let's let's. Do a, let's have a cringy hot uh, spring scene uh, just for the fun of it. Why not? Because that's anime. Let's do full frontal nudity. I mean, listen, again, this Trigger, the people who think uh, the twins short was horny was uh, you have shit from Trigger, guys. Go watch more anime. Yeah, this is, uh, it's, it feels like it's Trigger, you know, Trigger neutered a bit. Listen, watch, porn- film from Trigger on Pornhub.com. 
<laughs> uh, anyways, we should uh, we should tease what's uh, next week, uh, Jack. Um, well, we're still going through our Cowboy Bebops. So we're going to do episodes 21 through 26 of Cowboy Bebop. This will be the finale of the series of Cowboy Bebop, but we still got uh, one more week after that because we're going to cover the movie as well. So Ooh. yeah, uh, enjoy the end of the series and then another ending uh, later on. So, Logan, you haven't watched Cowboy Bebop yet, have you? Oh, but I'm excited to hear you guys talk the finale. Oh, that's so nice of you. That's so nice. Uh, let's let's plug your stuff, Logan. Where can people find Oh, I do a little radio show on 101.3 The River, where you can listen to this old awkward nasal of mine. Um, and uh, in the new year, in 2022, uh, my new band, Sequiturs, will be releasing our debut album. So uh, I guess keep Oh, shit! You can find me on Instagram at jackisjack and on Twitter at only real Malcolm, don't even plug your Twitter because you don't use it, so... Well, I'm going to plug it anyways. I'm going to do it. You, you pushed me into a corner, Jack. I have to. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Malcolm RJ McLeod. Have I tweeted in a long time? No, uh, but it's there now. Uh, and uh, I'm also on Instagram at Malcolm RJ McLeod. Uh, that's where I'm most active. I post stories, you know, uh, sometimes post a photo or video. You know, I'm crazy that way. Um, I'm not on TikTok yet, but I feel like if I am... Um, by the time this episode airs, I've I've gone through something uh, emotional. <laughs> but uh, um, anyways, I yeah. If you want to uh, support the podcast, uh, please follow us on Instagram or uh, Twitter. We're at Is This Anime Pod on both platforms. Uh, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts or something, please give us some stars, leave us a review. Uh, reviews really help uh, the show. Uh, we've used some of the reviews in the past to, you know, program the show. So if you've got suggestions, feel free to message us. Uh, we'd love to hear more feedback about the podcast. Uh, although we've heard a lot of good things so far. And, yeah, just leave some uh, reviews. It really helps a small podcast like us uh, out. Uh, anyways, uh, does anyone have any uh, final thoughts? Um, you know who followed us recently, despite me, like, never using our um, Instagram? Any- or, no, we use the Instagram. We barely, We don't really use twitter anymore we got a follow from uh ed the sock on uh twitter i don't know why but uh, ed the sock followed us wow ed the sock what a champ uh canadian icon i remember him from the good old days of much music uh i don't know what that uh fellow's up to but i'm sure he's closing in on getting lung cancer anyways we finally made it we got you know next yeah, next up maybe maybe ed the sock should guest on our show maybe maybe if he's following Let's send him uh, a DM. Maybe we'll get Ed the Sock on. Maybe follow that up with some Canadian icons like, I don't know, uh, Spencer Rice. <laughs> Spenny from Kenny <laughs> versus Spenny. Yeah. Oh, that, guy, that guy's sad. Uh, well, uh, I, I'm, team, I'm team Kenny that way. Anyways, uh, I think that's uh, about it. Uh, I think I'm going to say my last uh, bit of word, which is, yeah, thanks. Uh, support the podcast. Give us a review. Share it with your friends. Uh, if you know what's good is good and remember David Harbour was held hostage when he made the episode that he was in of this show so please uh, prayers for David Harbour goodbye L- later power bottoms